This is Holly Barnett, and she's a mommy of two as well, and they are 16 and 14, and her daughter is the oldest. Is that correct? Right? And a son. And then next is Gina Joyce. She just joined our team recently, and she's representing our elementary school kids. She has two, one and a half and three and a half and six and a half. Sorry. And then we have Millie Hill next, and she has three, and they range the gamut. I don't remember. I'm sorry. Okay, I have 11... 14 and 18. One's about to graduate. Isn't that sad? I'm sad. Isn't that sad? Okay, and then uh, Holly said we're going to start with the question amongst yourselves. Talk. Or do you want to start with that question for y'all or for them, Holly? Oh, I thought we would talk about it. Okay. So the first question to kick us off is if you had one do-over moment or year of your life, what would that be? Can we just start? Yeah, yeah sure. I was thinking about this this morning. Um, the one thing that I regret now, especially that my kids are um, 14 and 16, and my daughter just got her driver's license yesterday, and I'll just tell you that it will be here before you know it, and they will get in a car and they will drive off, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, did I tell her this? Did I tell her that? Like all these times that you're with them. You know, were you intentional and did you really, were you training them as you were going along? But I thought about this when my kids were really little. I was so task oriented and I got a lot of my self worth from my house being neat and me being like up and dressed and I would never go to Target like in workout clothes and a ponytail and stuff like that. And now it's like I'll be in carpool at four o'clock and workout clothes and a ponytail. I'll go anywhere that way. It doesn't matter to me. And I just regret that. That that I wasted that time, and not that I mean showers are important, not looking like a hag for your husband is important, but just spending time with your little ones when they're little, and not some being so caught up in what your house looks like, what you look like, what they look like. I'm like, does it really matter if their shoes match at the grocery store? No, it doesn't matter. But just kind of, I wish now I had just sort of let loose. And I will say the good thing is, I think God has totally done a work in my life, and I'm. Much much more relaxed about, you know, the house and me and them and all that kind of stuff. But that would be my do-over thing is I wish now, if I had those times back, we would just be grody and have fun and and let it all hang out. Um, I think my, uh, my do-over moment was at the uh, beginning of our marriage. Frank was 43 and I was 37. We got married thinking we weren't going to have kids because it was going to be too hard to get pregnant. Well, 45 days later, we were pregnant. (laughs) And then we had a preemie, and then everybody was asking us about the math. But I think my big do-over moment was um, I kind of drew away from, I drew into myself and fear of my husband leaving me because I was getting fat, and I drew away from the Lord and um, my second child. I try to stick like glue in the Word, just daily being in the Word to find who I was supposed to be as a mother. Um, Just so many times when you isolate and you're not in the Word, you get lost, and you get lost in the world, and you get lost in lies. And um, I'd probably say that was probably my worst moment. Other than that, I agree. when the kids don't match, it's a great opportunity to talk to somebody in the line at Target or Tom Thumb and, you know, just 
having that opportunity to open up to conversations. So, um, but my do-over moment would be my first child. I just did not spend enough time in the Word. Jill? My do-over, not a moment, but just kind of a um, way that I, I wish I would have played more, just played games or dolls or um, my husband's really good player and he loves doing that and he'll get on the floor, he got on the floor with them when they were little and um, just consistently he did that and I didn't do as much of that and so I think that would be one regret that I have is that, um, you know, not that we were going and doing, we weren't going and doing so much but kind of like Holly, I mean just my um, way at home was you know, it took time. It took time for orderliness, and um, I was. It was just harder for me to slow down and just play, play, play. So I wish I would have done more of that. Um, just playing, having fun when they were little. I think I would agree with both of them, with Jill, well, really with everybody. I mean, just getting down and really playing with your kids, I think that's really important. I don't think I, I got really caught up with in this crazy smiling, you can leave, because she'll, she'll say, Mom, you are so about the house, stay in need. And I really am. That is a part of who I am. My spirit is in the home and her spirit, too, because she'll say, Mom, I'm getting so overwhelmed. Can we just do a 10-minute tidy? She does that, and I've seen her in her closet crying why did God make me a clean freak so she can sit there and smile (laughs) but um, I would think just you know spending more time I would say uh, you know I know Kathy McJunkin came and spoke one time and it really hit me hard about she was talking about her dog being out in the wilderness and how they were so worried because it was getting dark and she has this little bitty dog and it was running around and she was thinking oh my gosh they were driving frantically trying to find it And I just, it dawned on me, you know, when we send our kids out in the world, there are so many things, darkness and so many things that can lure them. And, and I just, I really feel like if I had been more intentional about really packing up their fanny pack with scripture and because the world's going to give them a meal, the world's going to give them water, the world's going to give them, but I mean, spend the time they're sponges right now, and just I just think that God makes good with everything you store in their heart as far as His Word. So I would just encourage you all to be as intentional as you can in planting His Word in their heart. I don't know if that's singing songs on We Sing or doing whatever, but I wish that I had been more intentional about doing that. We certainly planted you know, Scripture and seeds, but I just wish I had done more of that. Okay, um, Allison wanted me to say, when y'all have a question, just raise your hand and, and we'll ask, you know, we'll, we'll get you this to just gonna, how it's going to be. We'll raise your hand and we'll take your question and repeat it so everybody hears it, and then we'll go like that. Who's next? Does anybody have anything? Yeah. Looking back. Looking back. Um, what is discipline could be like a whole hour conversation so just like your number one tip for discipline for kids that were in zero to five my number one tip is read the word and spank in love and not when you are hot and angry um, and that might have been one of my do-overs. I've done that plenty of times, but I would say um, when you read the Word, it's clear. And it doesn't have to be your only method, of course, but do take it seriously. 
and leave the anger um, out and wait if you have to. Now, with the, you want me to go, Holly? Okay, you ready? Yeah, my, I would say um, this is the after you discipline part. I think it is so important, and this is something I just start when they're little, is how you properly apologize and ask for forgiveness and you make the other party ask for forgiveness. And it's not, and, and if they get older, you might get something like, sorry, or something like that. And I think you just lay the law down early on that that is not an acceptable way. That is not how we... Um, apologize to someone in, in, in our household it would be like I am sorry I hit you and then the other party would say um, I accept your apology and then will you forgive me yes I will forgive you and I think you have to model that for your kids and I think you know we're human we're sinners and I don't know how many times you know when you lose it with your kid or even you're driving or you're doing something did you just be like mommy is so sorry that I you know lost it with that driver will you um, please forgive me and just make them forgive you and I think it's just it's one of those things you think you'll do when they're little and then they'll get it you won't have to keep doing it you have to keep doing it over and over and over and I have a 14 year old that sometimes it's like you know what that is not an acceptable apology we don't apologize like that you know better so just train 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 and it's just it's a great quality to make them own what they've done and then they can take that into marriage they can take that into the workforce I mean, that's just a wonderful quality to be able to admit when you're wrong and to ask for forgiveness. I mean, it's really hard when somebody comes to you and says, will you please forgive me to say, nope, sorry, I won't do it. So that's, that's my tidbit on that. Um, with our family, we were all in BSF this year, so we were all learning Isaiah, which was very helpful because I have two leaders looking for countries. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm just as stubborn as my husband is stubborn, so you can't go pointing the finger at God. They got his DNA. But um, with Isaiah, we learn that God disciplines his children, and I cannot tell you how timely that was for my three-and-a-half-year-old who still does not get it that it's not always funny. And so we use Isaiah. We even go through the lessons of of why God uh, um, disciplines the children that he loves. Um, but our main thing in our house is consistency, and it's trying to do the same thing every time with every situation modeled in the situation, of course. But then with my two girls who are extremely sensitive is the restoration process that we learn through Isaiah to restore them in a timely manner because we even have one of our girls wakes up with nightmares if she doesn't have that restoration with her father after she's gone to bed. She'll wake up and she feels cut off. So with us it's consistency, the word, and the restoration process at the end. I would say, too, I think the most important thing is, I mean, we know our kids are going to sin. I mean, it's evident in the Bible we're all sinners. So we just have, I think a plan is so important. Sitting down with your husband, I mean, it's really what are we going to do when the sin takes place or when the the disobedience takes place. Because if you have a plan already in place, then you're less likely to react and you're going to more likely to respond. And I think that goes back to, like Jill said, just hiding his word in your heart. I mean, in Psalm 119, it says, Hide, I've hidden your word in my heart, O Lord, that I might not sin against you. And I think the sin starts with us. If we go to them 
right when the offense takes place and we have a plan in place on how to handle it with the consistency, then our kids know. I mean, it's kind of like going to the water fountain. When you go to the water fountain and push the button, you expect to get water. And so I I read a quote a long time ago, and it's really impacted me. It's not the severity of the punishment that changes the behavior. It's the certainty. It's the knowing that when you've got the guidelines so out there that say, if you do that again, then you will get a spanking, and then where that spanking and where that discipline is delivered from, it's got I mean, the heart of every issue is about the heart. And if it's coming from a heart from you, the restorer or the, or the disciplinarian, if it's coming from a heart of anger, then it's a deal killer. And so you really have to search your heart and make sure that you're delivering it more out of a training aspect than out of an anger aspect or a frustration. Because we can't be, you know, our kids and how they act is really not a reflection on us. We're there to guide them and to, you know, and to raise them. And frankly, I mean, in the last two weeks, I've gotten two, I was telling Desi, I've gotten two reminders that my pink slip, even though Sally's going to college, I have not received my pink slip. I mean, I got a call from a teacher that Blaine had been assigned to uh, detention. And frankly, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I was like, I had to replay the message. I was like, okay, he hasn't gotten in trouble in forever. What is going on? But it was a reminder. Okay, I haven't got my pink slip. I'm still in the parenting business. So we just have to know that we're going to have opportunities even as they get older and older. So it's just really having a heart of knowing that that's what our heart is to train them and to raise them up to be, you know, God-fearing young adults. And so that's our goal in mind. I think, too, with the consistency is a sacrifice on your own convenience. There was one time where my three-and-a-half-year-old, then two, threw a fit, and, and I have redheads, and they do have that temper. She threw a fit. I had all my groceries in the Target uh, trolley ready to check out. We left it. We left all of it and went because Frank and I have a uh, underlying kind of quote that we, we say is, what's best for the kids. So it wasn't convenient that mommy just finished all the shopping in record time, but I had to literally say, you are in the wrong frame of mind, the wrong, you know, everything's going wrong here, we're leaving, and you're getting a spanking. And I wanted to do it in the line, but I didn't want to deal with the lady behind me. But, but it truly is a sacrifice on our part to keep that consistency, what's the best for the kids. And sometimes it means that mommy and daddy don't get to see the movie. They don't get to have the fun, you know. So, Also, though, on that note, I mean, I would have turned to the lady behind me, allowed my child to pitch a fit and said, this is the last time I'm bringing my sister's kids to the grocery store. (laughs) That's a good idea. That's what I would have said. But, you know. I'm all about the humor, which I don't know. My daughter's going. Well, and I, I just want to. My big one of my big things is every family is different. People that love the Lord are going to parent differently. And that's a perfect example. Both these ladies love the Lord. They would have handled that decision differently. So I think at your stage, mm-hmm. and that's one thing. When I was at y'all stage, I'd be like, listen to this person and get this book, and listen to this person and get this book, and listen to this person and get this book. Finally, it's like you know what? I just need to read God's Word and quit reading all these books. There, there are great tools out there, but you need to have a plan, make a plan. If you if you're married, make a plan with your husband. Know what you're going to do, but don't get sucked into, oh, well, we have to do it this way because this is what this family does, or we have to do it this way. I mean, And the other thing is, every kid is different. I mean, some kids, you know, a stern look and like a little peep of whatever you used to spank with out of mommy's purse might just absolutely quiet them down. And the other one, you might have to drag home and just 
you know, yeah. calm down and then implement discipline. I mean, every kid's different, so don't don't buy into the we got to do what the you know the Joneses are doing, or we got to parent every child the same. Right. Yeah, but that's too what the dog food aisle was made for. It's God spelled backwards. You go down there, there's nobody down that aisle. You need to, and that's what the Vulcan, the dog food aisle. Well, if you need to spank in the grocery store, you're like, well, well, I don't food. even have a dog. We're going to the dog food aisle. Well, one more time, too, just to reiterate what Holly said. I and mean, we're not going to, we don't want to give you advice on, okay, this is how we did it, and it worked. I told Julia earlier, the thing is between you and the Lord, you and your husband, pray, read the word, listen, and do. Because we, have done it wrong, you know, and yeah. we're happy to tell you about that. Every but child it is, is not going to look the same, you know. Every body. child is different, and every phase that each that child is in is different. And you know, you intuitively look. The Holy Spirit tells you this is your opportunity, and right. go for it. But I mean, it's it's like a moving target. And don't be afraid to be totally different from your friends if you are hearing mm-hmm. from the Lord on something. Mm-hmm. It, and that's hard sometimes if you might be the only one doing or not doing, you know, something. Well, and I think sometimes when you're, you know, out and you've, you've kind of made up your mind, okay, I'm going to handle this offense. I mean, like, let's say they're in a phase where they're, you know, I don't know, you know, playing with something they're not supposed to be playing with or doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And then a friend comes along and says, oh, well, I think you should try this. Well, I think it's more detrimental to your child to be jumping around like different things. If you've decided something, like Jill said, if you've prayed about it, you've decided something for your family, then just stick with the consistency. And I think any time, there's a lot of great parenting books out there, but my rule of thumb was if it didn't send me back to God's Word, if it didn't have a scripture that backed it up, then I was really reluctant to even try it. I mean, there were a couple things here and there that I would try, but I always wanted to see where it was written in God's Word. Because in the beginning of, you know, when I first had children, I didn't have a very good command of the Bible. I mean, you know, Jesus wept. I couldn't even, I didn't know where that was, but I knew it was in there somewhere. I mean, you know, for God to love the world. I probably knew John 3.16. So I had a hunger to know God's Word. But if you don't have a real command of the Bible, I mean, just really pray about it. And, you know, just get you some good discipline scriptures and just start searching in those. And, I mean, you know, listen, there's a lot of resources just in sermons Todd's done. The gifts I'd give my children are so easy to download those on your iPod or something and listen to them and when it sends you to a scripture open your bible put an asterisk there you know that just marks that i've been there and make a note out there if it touches you in some way i mean that's what i love about going back in my bible and over the last 20 years just seeing where i've got some red marks or this or that that sends me you know to a promise or a truth that you know god said so one more thing about that too is as they get older i mean you can involve them in the prayer like, we're going to pray about this before we do it. Or if they're asking to, we have this last week, read something or, you know, go somewhere. We're going to pray about that. Take a couple days and involve them as they get older. Um, okay. So is that Next one. Anybody? Morgan? Uh, okay. My question is, we, we hear sometimes the, the child's personality is set by age three or five. From y'all's experience, what about that is true and what is not true? Okay, so the question is, is a child's personality, or do we think a child's personality is set by the age of three, um, and what experience do we have with that? Okay. Wow. Um, Anybody have an idea on that? I mean, we're molding. 
you know. I just think once they get to be like when you're talking about like five and you start talking about, you know, Mother's Day out, I think maybe what maybe people are saying is that there's so many more influences. I mean, really, up until that stage, you really set the tone. Okay, we're going to go to play group here. We're going to do this. We're going to go to church on Sunday. What are we going to do? You're doing it. But as far as their personalities, I definitely think you can kind of see their temperaments. But I don't know about being set. I mean, I think they just have a natural, like, if they're late sleepers or early, you know, early risers, just kind of that body clock and that. I mean, I don't know. I I have a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy, too. I think if we label, and, you know, we have to be careful not to do that. Oh, this is my, you know, my sweet one or my whatever. I think that doesn't help. Something's up with the Yeah, who's getting feedback? Um... That would I agree be all with that. I would say is just to be really careful, you know. I agree with that. Read about what you know about your child. My three and a half year old is the one that is humor. She, she is the whipped cream on our serious pie, and I, I noticed that very quickly with her and started labeling my six and a half year old that she was she was a people pleaser and she was the firstborn, of course. Um, Emma can walk the balance beam at two and a half years old without looking. She just ran across it. And Kate, you say the word trip, and she trips. I had to stop saying to myself, oh, honey, your skill set doesn't lend you to do this. Because then she became fearful of what she wasn't good at. And as now she's six and a half, she is growing into her coordination. She is growing into discerning that she is not as funny as her sister, but she can add to a conversation because she brings her own personality to it. So I agree with the labeling. Um, It's very important not to label. And then, um, yes, Kate, as a baby... Um, she did have a temper, and but I think as six and a half, like Millie's saying, is, is as you guide your children through that shoot and you get them to recognize. We, we call Emma, Emma knows she has a dragon, my three and a half year old. She has a dragon. She goes and sits on her bed and she talks with this dragon to get rid of her dragon. We do the same thing with Kate. Kate now knows that her dragon is, is Satan. She, she is a, she's identified and put Emma's not there yet but again the, I think the basic point is is that I was really shy as a kid and people who know me now are like you're kidding but I still when I don't know people have a tendency to recess but I think that if you look for the clues and pieces and parts of their personality you build up the ones that are positive and then you smush the ones that are negative and and find a balance I mean I think we're all evolving well and I think too um with with anything, you have to look at what's the positive and what's the negative. And sometimes I'll call it like that's the dark side of the gift. Like you know, if you're like if you're a neat freak, and I'm like with Millie, I like a neat, tidy house. Well, that that can be a great quality. Mm-hmm. The dark side of that is sometimes it would be to the detriment of my family, running around making everybody pick up and stuff like that. So you have to learn with your kids to balance out what what's a good quality and what's not. Like I have one child who thinks that if she can't wait to turn 18 so she can go jump out of an airplane and she wants. To to tank dive with sharks and do all this stuff and I'm just like I will be praying for you like that would never ever be on my radar screen and then I have another one who he'd be like we're going to do what now who are we going with and he wants to know all the plan and the rules and all that kind of stuff so I think there is something to be said for kids different personalities but 
you have to be careful, like Jill said, to not let it be a self. Oh, he's shy. Well, then if he's shy, does that mean that you're not going to make him look Miss Smith in the eyes or shake somebody's hand and stuff like that? And in our household, that would be a no. <laughs> we don't really care what your personality is on that. These are certain things that we're going to require. But I think, and the other thing is, your kids will completely shock you. Like my son is, I mean, I think he's always been just the most compassionate and um, empathetic and just tender hearted child. And now we're in puberty. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Where did you go? And my friends that have boys that are older, they're like, they'll come back. It's okay, you know. But it's like, it changes. So don't, in your head, think, oh, well, he's my tender-hearted child. And then he changes, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? They, they do change. Um, I think we've all been given skill sets and gifts. And, you know, I get introduced in my family as the runt. I'm actually the third kid, but the smallest in the family. And I'm also the one that's not labeled a good cook. I can bake, but I can't cook. So I went into marriage thinking, I don't know how to cook. I can set the table, but I can't cook. So I think taking these things from your past and and looking at your children and, and um, fertilizing those great things and then and trying to encourage the negative in the sense of making it a positive and using those God gifts that are instilled in us because the neat freak that is such a great skill set to know this is the standard you know and and that that um, if you live like a slob then you're not going to be organized and you know it kind of there's a a triple or ripple effect, and just teaching them. I mean, yes, yeah. too about how to being good stewards with your toys and your money and your household and your dust. And I would encourage y'all too, like when uh, when you have like like certain when well, like I have three kids, and so everyone is so different. But I would just encourage you that you know if you there are times that you know just like my older daughter and I, you know, I'll sense that we're just kind of disconnected. And I would just encourage y'all to always, sometimes those personalities, like maybe you align with one child better, just your personalities, you're just kind of, and so you find yourself kind of snuggling that person. Like Gracie is my snuggler. If I'm sitting on the couch, she's sitting, you know, right by me or in my lap. But, I mean, I've, I've really made a point, especially this year with Sally leaving, just to really lean in on her and just create and carve out more time to kind of push through and penetrate that barrier, you know, and say, hey, let's go, let's go get ice cream or let's go do this. And just kind of really like you know she's been home a lot and so I've just tried to be at home at lunchtime and have lunch ready for her and so just really tried to make and create those special times and be real intentional so you can do that when your kids are smaller when one's down for a nap you know just one day plan just to do something really special with that other child or you know just make those deposits early on so they feel really feel a connection because the best way when you've got a child that maybe he's been disobedient, the best way, you know, once you've delivered, I think you were talking about the restoration phase, it's so important. Unconditional love looks like after they've been disciplined, don't make yourself unavailable for the restoration stage. There's got to be a stage where a, a point in that discipline where they come back to you with, and they will with their arms up, and that is where I don't care what you're doing, you scoop them up and look them in the eye and go, I'm sad mommy had to spank you because you disobeyed you understand that and then you kiss and you restore that right from the get-go and you make sure it's over then that that doesn't come up again once they've gotten their spanking and they've been disciplined you don't you know bring it up you know I, I would recommend not bringing it up I mean that's how I would handle it but I think they need to know that that's what unconditional love mommy still loves you even though you've been disobedient 
and it's all past. We've restored it. We've forgiven each other. Because I, I've always told my kids that, you know, forgiveness, it really does look like a block of butter in the microwave. When you, you, you go put your kids in front of the microwave and put a block of butter in there, I mean, in 10 seconds, that veil is down. And that's how your heart feels when someone really says, I'm sorry from a heart mm-hmm. that says, you know what, I'm sorry I hit you or Will you forgive me? I mean, Gracie is the queen of I'm sorry. I mean, she will say, was that disrespectful the way I just talked to you? And I'm like, I don't know. Check your heart. But she, she tells on herself more than anybody. And she'll go, Mom, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I mean, she is so awesome about restoration and just that she really loves for everybody to be restored. So I would just encourage you, the block of butter, put your kids in there. Let them know what forgiveness looks like because that's how your heart's going to feel when you say I'm sorry. And that's over after that. We're going to hug and go on. And they need to see that. You know, it says in First John, let us not love with words and tongue, but in action and in truth. That's the action part where you hug and you embrace them and it's over, you know, and then you go on about your day. So. I would say, now, now I don't think that's bad because I mean, I think, I, I mean, for me, I have brought it up again to reinforce. Like if, you know, like I, I've told you the story about when, you know, Blaney uh, went to the doctor. I had Gracie, she was a newborn, and we went to the doctor, and he was jumping up and down off the chair, and the doctor was about to come in, and I looked at him and I said, Blaney, if you jump down off that table again, then you're not getting a lollipop when we leave. Well, the minute I said that, Five seconds later, I mean, he was pushed the envelope. He was three. He jumped down, and I looked at him. I said, buddy, you're not getting a lollipop when we leave. So then he got up on the table, and he was just sitting there, you know, and he was really obedient. So when we got ready to leave, he was like, Mom, can I get a lollipop? I said, Blaine, you're not getting a lollipop. And you know what? Now that you've acted this way, you're not getting a lollipop next time we come. Well, I had no idea when next time we would go would be. But it was probably six weeks later, and that night before when he was going to bed, I said, Buddy, I just looked at the calendar, and we have to take Gracie to the doctor. And I said, Remember last time when Mommy asked you several times not to jump off the table, and you disobeyed me? I said, You can't get a lollipop. So he never said anything about it. We drove to the deal. She had her appointment. He sat in the chair and read a book. And so when we got ready to leave, he pulled on my shirt and he goes, Mommy, I know. I said, yeah, buddy. And he goes, I know I can't get a lollipop, but can I get a sticker? I said, sure. And to me, I wanted to give him ten lollipops. Because I was like, fruit, fruit. I just take the fruit. I just take the fruit. And I was like driving away. So I didn't beat a dead horse with it. You know, but I, I mean, and I think sometimes it's okay to recap. Like we at high-low at dinner... But I'm just saying, your heart needs to not reflect that you're still upset with the disobedience. That's the, the point. There's no, you can, there's not a distance between you anymore. No, longer. it's restored. It's over. But now at dinner, when when we do high low, if I had to spank him ten times that day, I'd say, well, my low today was my wooden spoon was, you know. In high gear today. But, you know, I mean, I would kind of make a joke or make it light. But, you know, because Blaine, well, my husband said, what happened? Well, Blaine disobeyed me about this, you know, or whatever. And I kind of talk about him to my husband with him sitting there, which they listen and they kind of take all that in. And, you know, like Jill said, I mean, I think the best thing with Blaney was, and with really all my kids, is really just pray with them. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, on all things. If they're disobedient, you know, after, you know, after that restoration phase, take their little hands and say, Dear Lord, you know, just be with us. Help us not, you know, throw our toys. That's so disrespectful. You blessed us with these toys. I mean, whatever the deal is that you're having, you know, the problem area with or, or that phase, 
you know, pray with them. Take their little hands. But I just wouldn't keep bringing it up. Well, yesterday you just acted. You know, I just say it's over that part of it. But just, you know, you can reinforce. But make sure when you do reinforce, it comes from a heart that says, we're clear. We're all good. You know, this is clear water here. But I think, I think too, with your situation, something that would be helpful is beforehand, like, you know, what five minutes before you get in the car, maybe even like ten minutes before you get in the car, we're going to go get in the car, and here's what mommy expects. You're going to get in your car seat. You're going to let me buckle you up. I'll give you a book to read. We're going to go to the store, and we're going to get a few things, and we're going to come home. And then maybe you do it again, and then when you go to the car, it's like, now how do we get in the car seat? Or sometimes you can even get the car seat out of the car, put it in the house, on the floor. Let's practice getting our car in our car seat without arching our back and throwing a fit or whatever the thing is. But it's kind of role play. And then then say, you know, this is what the expectation was. And then if they don't do it, then you say, I'm so sorry. You chose to disobey mommy. You know, you know what the rules are and you chose this. And this is what happens when we disobey. But just keep going. I think that to me is different than bringing it up that uh, we had to spank you yesterday for this. So just setting, letting them know for sure what the standard is. Like, do you ever I, I don't think that that to me is not a warning. That's like this is the expectation. Like when we go to the grocery store, we sit in the cart, we don't beg for food, we don't climb out, you know, climb out of the cart or whatever. Whatever, we're just letting them know what the expectation is. And I think you know, the earlier you can let them know that what you mean what you say. I mean, do you mean what you say on the first time or do you mean what you say on the tenth time? And we've all been places where I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to ten. I'm going to count. I'm just like, stop counting. Just, you know, implement yeah. your your plan. And, and it, you can't always do that. I mean... You're at well, the checkout line. Yeah. You're not at the dog food aisle. You got yeah. and that's the you're gonna have to use judgment to balance it out. Emma has a as as she says it now. There's a new sheriff in town, and his <laughs> name is No Tolerance. And so if she's doing something, then I say to her, the sheriff is here, and she stops. And it works for her. With Kate, I never had to go that far because she's the firstborn and the people pleaser. But Emma, it's like um, the new sheriff in town was here a couple months ago, and we brought him out again. And then they found the stick out in the yard, and now the stick is in our bedroom, and it's the sheriff. And I'm like, great. No, we've never used the stick, but... You just like the little peep from mom's purse or whatever, whatever works. But I honestly believe that every day it's a moving target. And it's, that's the, that is why God made us women mothers because we know how to multitask. Like, oh, that's not working. Let's try this. And um, so um, you got to gear it with your kids if, it's, um, if they can handle a warning. We never count. There is no counting no. in our house. It's got to be black or white. Yeah, God, I mean, said, God said to obey your parents. Mm-hmm. And I am your parent. And when I'm not disciplining you, God is disappointed in me. And I'm not getting in trouble. So we kind of put, put down the trickle right. effect there. But I, I think the other thing I think is really helpful, and I still do this with teenagers, is like a, a, a five-minute warning. Like, we're leaving the house in five minutes. Or whatever. You, in 10 minutes, we need to be out the door. And this is very helpful in the morning going to school and stuff like that. And that, to me, is, like, totally different. That gives them time to, like, regroup. And then you it's not fair to them. No, You wouldn't love it if somebody came in and be like, we're leaving right now. Drop whatever you're doing. You'd be like, oh, I, you know, I need to put lipstick on or, you know, I'm not dressed or whatever. Just, you know, give them the courtesy you would like to have.
have yourself of like, and this is when they're little, obviously you can't do it when they get older, but it's a great tool now. I mean, got kids, five minute warning, they know exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, we're leaving in five minutes. That means get your act together. We're not going to stand at the bottom the of the stairs and scream for you and yell for you and you're not going to get to let, let the whole family be late because you couldn't get your act together. Next. Well, I was going to say one thing real quick about the, I mean, like Holly's saying about the, I always call their their uh, high chair, not high chair, their car seat, their safe seat, because it reminded me why I'm putting them in there so they'll be safe. And so I think when your kids understand that that's my safe seat, that's going to make me safe, then they're not in the car seat. And let me tell you, they're all going to arch their back at some time, so don't let that surprise you. They're going to do that. If you don't have, you know, one and a half, two-year-olds, they don't want to be in that thing. But when you have in your mind, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm putting you in your safe seat and you're buckling them in, then you don't get frustrated with it. Now, if they hit you or something, then that crosses the line and then that becomes something more involved. But if they're just arching their back, I mean, I'd turn up the music. I would just sing and just be so happy and just let them, you know, I called it lung development. But that was just in my mind so that I didn't get, you know, so worked up about it. I mean, it just was okay if they were crying. I think, too, the other thing that we do in our house, we will not have a kid CEO. The the kids are not going to run the house. The parents run the house. And it just boils down to, you know, how you react to the child having this tantrum. Uh, You know, I picked Emma up yesterday, put her on her bed, and I said, you are not in charge. And I just shut the door. And when she was ready to talk about it, we went through the process. But um, you've got to make the decision that you're in charge, your husband is in charge, because they'll want to run the roof. Okay, over here. Okay, so the question is, how do you have a well-behaved boy without squelching their boyness? I have two girls. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, the spirit of a boy is awesome, and I love it. And I think that, you know, they really love to wrestle. And so you need to make time. I mean, I remember when Blaine went and did the mutton buster out in the Mesquite Rodeo, which he did not win. I'll put that up. You know, when you're going against Bubba Smith from Balk Spring, (laughs) William Blaine Hale Jr. from Dallas does not win the mutton buster. But he did it. But he was real nervous. Like, how big is this sheep going to be? So I would get on the floor and he'd crawl my back and I would try to bounce him off. But I, I really realized at that point, he was young, you know, and I really realized at that point that they love that Russell tussle down on the floor but did I allow him to jump on the furniture no I think that there's just a certain respect for your home I mean a lot of backyard get out in the yard throw the football throw the baseball whatever kick the soccer ball I mean you've got to have those moments of just letting them get out that energy but I think you I mean for me I had to hold him to a certain standard about you know not throwing stuff in the house and jump. I mean, I see kids that just totally go in and destroy, which is fine if that's the way you run your home. But I think just that spirit of a boy, you know, they can be real, you know, wear and tear, and you don't want to squelch that, that you know, little spirit because it's a sweet spirit. I mean, there's nothing like the sweet spirit of a boy. And, I mean, just shower them with love because I'm telling you, my son's 14, and I have. I guess we're not in puberty yet because I haven't gotten the the – He's just been so sweet still, and I just keep praying that, you know, I just want to know when he talks to me that it's coming from a heart of, you know, I've just really been praying through that this year that my ears will hear 
the heart from which he says everything to me too because he's still so loving to me and so hugging me all the time and I just love that and I see a lot of boys that kind of start pulling away so I know it's coming but I'm not ready for that I I would say on the whole boy thing if you're married go to your husband and be like you know I don't get this I'm I'm not wired this way is this okay you know is it okay that they want to just wrestle and do all this kind of stuff and they don't just do it when they're little they'll do it when they're older and then you're really worried they're going to get hurt or the friend that's over is going to get hurt but I think your your husband you know or if you're not married find a man that you go to a godly man that you can say give me the scoop on this where's the boundary what are we going to allow? What are we not going to allow? And then kind of let them be the ones that decide what your what your standards are for that. But I think there are some things. You know, we have a you're not going to bounce balls in the house. That means no basketball, no football, no baseball, no none of that stuff is going to go flying around. And the other thing is, just because they're a boy, you need to you need to have a whatever your standard is for your household on manners. Um, you know, showing respect for elders, being polite, looking at somebody in the eye shaking their hand. I mean, that needs to be, you know, this is how, like, this is what Barnett's do. You know, this is how we behave. This, you know, don't, don't cut them any slack because they're a little boy. They can do the same thing that girls can, and they might not be able to sit as long as a girl. you kind of got to recognize that. I mean, don't take them to tea or something like that. I mean, kind of be, be appropriate, but there are, there are standards, like at the table, too. You know, where does your napkin go? We use utensils. They love to eat with their hands. I mean, you just kind of got to... It's like a constant. And don't get frustrated. Like Holly said, we worked for years on Blaine would not come around and reach out to shake someone's hand. And I remember just us harping on that. And Blaine looked people in the eye. And I mean, him being five and then six and then seven. And I mean, just still just Blaine, you know, just being so disappointed because he didn't do that. And then one, and my tip off was always when he'd walk up and I didn't know that he knew someone. I remember he walked up and I was talking to him and he was probably in fifth grade. And I said, oh, Blaine, have you met Mr. Welty? Well, that was always his tip off, you know, that he should say. And, and I'd never heard him say it before, but he was like, hi, my name's Blaine Hale Jr. Nice to meet you. And I was like, and this man was walking by and he looked at me like, what was that? And I said, I don't know. You work hard for it. When you get it, you just go with it. That surely will soften. But when you get it, you just, because I mean, you never know what you're going to get. But he got it in a big way when he was like in fifth grade. And now he's great about it. Many, it's just natural. But so I'd say just if it's important to you, which manners were always important to us, I still remind my kids, yes, ma'am, you know, I mean, I'll say it back to them. They'll go, Mom, can you get me this? May I please? No, you know, I mean, I still have to remind them, but that's a cause to me that's worthy. I mean, I love good manners, as Gracie knows. I tell every kid that at any store, anywhere, if they say yes, ma'am to me, I'm like, oh, I just, I'm a mom that loves good manners. Go hug your mom because I know they worked hard for that. And my kids are like rolling their eyes like, Mom. But I do. I think good manners are something that's a lost art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to tag on what Millie said. Okay, on the whole manner thing. I mean, in, in our, I was raised, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, you know, no, sir. And that's just the standard. I mean, all my all my friends' parents were Mr. and Mrs. Smith, We, you know. And then when you start having kids, be like, oh, have you met Mrs. Moore? I'm like, oh, call me Jill. And you're like, no, we prefer that, you know, he call you Mrs. Moore or whatever. It's like when they're little bitty, like one or two, it's really you know, you might think it's cute to be like, she's Jill, and this is Gina, and Millie, how you doing? 
said fast forward 13, 14 hey Jill how's it going it's like no 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 so I would just say I don't know what your standards are but I would encourage you to foster respect in your uh, in your kids for you know your friends are Mr. and Mrs. or Dr. and Mrs. or whatever they are teachers are referred to that way you are not on a first name basis with adults and um, I mean it, it just you're just not going to do it. And we have a few friends who might be like, oh, this is Miss Janie and Miss Dawn. Or like if you're really close, you're not like an aunt or uncle or something like that. But it's somebody you see all the time or you would keep their kids. You might be like, oh, what's Miss Holly say today? And we have friends now. And then when, you know, now they're 14 or 15 or 16 years old. And it's pretty sweet when you have this 16-year-old boy going, hey, Miss Holly, how are you doing? But it's like the respect in front of that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just, you know, is that in the Bible? You know, respect your elders is, but calling them Mr. and Mrs. and no sir and yes sir but I'm just saying I think that's a and it's a great quality too when your kid meets an adult yes sir you know please ma'am may I have that and people are like wow so just think about that um, back to the boyness a little bit um, I my boy is was not he was a little bit more mild mannered and wasn't like wanting to wrestle all the time or whatever but I think just as long as you remember as a mom just to practice thankfulness for whatever you see in him because that's what God put in there wherever that energy level is and just as they grow older like Holly said to be really in tune with your husband on okay how's he feeling right now or how's what's he thinking and as they grow it's just this beautiful thing of you know who who they're becoming as a man and the respect that you will still have for them is so important to them um, even when they're little I think that as if mom mom's respecting dad and then I just for me my heart was just like okay I, I just really respect Benson as a as a boy because I'm different than that I don't understand it but I do respect it and also, I just had to add, there's no, um, I mean, in our experience, I just haven't, I've felt the pull away, the peel away of a teenage boy, but not anything terribly negative. It's just not something to be afraid of. Those years are not, I mean, they really are, like Millie said, it's a beautiful time because they start to love their moms. Boys love their moms in a totally different way that girls do. And it's just been a real, it's been a real joy. So I don't think you're always waiting for, oh gosh, you know, when is that puberty or whatever going to hit? Because it can be, it can just be great if you're if you're really in tune and respectful of them and their personality now, I think it just grows. I don't have boys, but I was on vacation recently, and I watched this woman about our age out in the pool tossing the ball with her son, who was clearly in high school. And she would toss the ball, and she wasn't good at it, but she was tossing the ball, and she's like, hey, did you see that Austin made the baseball team? Yep. Do you think he's going to be a good pitcher? I don't know. And then finally she said, honey, do you guys do you guys ever talk about this stuff with your friends? Kind of. But you know what? She was out there for 45 minutes tossing the ball with her son, and I was totally impressed. And so when she was alone, I said to her, wow, kudos to you for spending that time with your son. And she said, well, I'm the only girl in the house because she has two sons. She says, my boys will grow up to respect women treat their future wife with you know dignity and gentleness and I just feel as though when a mother takes that time to learn something that's not her skill that that it 
even though he didn't say much, he wasn't barking to not get in the pool and toss the ball with his mom. He was like, come on, Mom, let's go to the deep end. Let's try it harder or whatever. And and I'm going to jump off the side of the pool. Throw it to me then. I'll catch it in midair. That was a unique uh, relationship. And so I'm not the mother of boys, but I can tell you that my parents did not do that with my brother. And if they would have, he probably would have been a little bit different. So I yeah, and just, it's just be a student of your mm-hmm. your children. I mean, you know, just because you you know played volleyball in high school and your daughter doesn't like volleyball and likes your son likes basket weaving. I mean, be a basket weaver. Take up. I mean, my my son's a golfer, and I'm not. I don't know the first thing about golf. I mean, you know, but I've caddied for him a ton, and you know, he, there's nothing more. He'll go, Mom, please come watch me tomorrow. And so I carve out every now and again. You know, I can't go that much and spend you know six hours out there, but there's nothing he loves it I mean I went a couple weeks ago and you just know he just loves that time with us together and it's kind of a comfort for him if he's not having such a great day or you know so I would just say you know be a student of your children and whatever you see their interests going in learn it like it you know enjoy it if you don't enjoy the sport enjoy the time Mm -hmm. and just know that that's a good investment Sarah Stellick spoke about boys at this thing I went to, and I my firstborn is a boy, 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 boy. And a couple of things I had to say because it really helped me was um, he's a boy, he's going to kick, he's going to throw, he's going to wrestle, he's going to do those boy things. Those are boys. Let them, but make sure it's in the right environment. So my he loves kicking soccer balls. Well, we don't kick soccer balls in the house, but I have one of those, like, pillow soccer balls he can kick it all day long in the hallway because it's not going to hurt anything so he can still do that inside without destroying my house or like make sure they keep she said make sure they get out like if you're asking them to only play inside or or whatever that's not really letting them be who they are so give make sure they get the opportunity to throw sticks and hit things and throw things and do what they want outside in a safe environment um she said she also said make sure you say yes more than well, that's what she said. She said, don't say no all the time because you're going to have to say no a lot. So make sure, like, give your, say yes when you can was her point. Like, if you don't, no, 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 don't get in the dirt, don't get in the dirt. Why? Is it because you're about to go to church and they need to stay clean? Great. But if it's just because you don't want to mess with cleaning them up and blah, 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 that's kind of a selfish motivation because he let them, when they can get dirty and do their boy things, let them. But then you have your boundaries for, like, the times that they shouldn't because you have to go somewhere or whatever. And those things really helped me just say yes when you can because you're going to have to say no a lot. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sue Boland did a talk about um, the wonder of boys, and it's on the Building Blocks page. It was amazing. Yeah, it was good. Okay, who's next? Over here. The only I'm going to answer the second one first. The second question is where can you go in the Bible to find specifics on discipline? Um, Proverbs 10 is a great one. There are tons of Proverbs. And we have, I have, because we're getting ready for a discipline talk in the fall, um, a list of verses about discipline that are very specific and um, very helpful, very helpful to us and still are. And Trish, oh yeah, is it on? There's another talk by Trisha Kegler on discipline that's on the building blocks channel on the Watermark app that you can find. Um, so Proverbs, I mean, it's really kind of, Proverbs is pretty pretty concentrated, but there are lots of other places. So if you have a study Bible, you can go discipline, and it should help you. But I can get, you, you guys have our phone number, our email. I have that list. It's on my computer, so I can email it to you. 
Um, and the other question was, have we, any of us experienced different views within the home on discipline with our husband, um, particularly I'm guessing you're meaning your husband mostly, um, and how do we deal with that? I can start on the different views. We learned a lot at the beginning of our parenting time together from the Word, and so that helped us a lot. But daily, definitely, um, the way that we implement that. I mean, we definitely have a plan, but, you know, sometimes it's been hard for me to submit in that way when I see my husband maybe talking in a way or doing something that I don't think is fair. In fact, that has been a chief you know, source at times of conflict between he and I. But um, as long as we're both relying on the word, we should be on the same page um, and talking about how we interpret that together. So it's not a fundamental difference, but but daily, like, it's just, it's hard when you see another person disciplining in a different way that you than you might. Um, so we just have to work through that together, and we have to talk, and I have to later on, but not at the moment, in front of the child say, yikes, that was a little sharp. Did you think so? Or, but the key for me has been not to say that to Doug in front of the child at the time. So as a mom, you just kind of have to, you know, put down your claws. It's okay because that's their dad, and we can work it out. But that's what we've experienced. It is difficult. I think that's so hard, and every mom has experienced that. You've, you're exhausted. You've just finished bath and bed, and you're thinking like 30 minutes in there in the bed, and then I can, you know, relax, and then your husband comes home and gets them all riled up and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think I think my suggestion would be to have a conversation with your husband in private beforehand, and just say, you know, this is kind of what this does. Um, when you do that and can we kind of meet in the middle or maybe um, one thing we would try to do is I would wait and let him do bath time if you could do that and then let him get all kind of rowdy in the bath and snuggle and tickle or whatever and then you know you can get him ready for bed and then have some downtime. but I think kind of laying out in advance and the other thing is they are never ever ever going to parent the way you parent they're not going to diaper the way you diaper they're not going to feed in the same lunch they're not going to do all this stuff the same way you do and if if you try to micromanage that, they're going to be like, oh, hands off. You know, you're, I'm never going to meet your standard. I don't want to do it this way. So just kind of embrace their uniqueness. Embrace the way they parent is different um, and kind of and go with it on that. But I, th- I think the thing Jill said, too, is I, there have been many times you're just like, uh, 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 you know, uh, you're just contradicted in what I've been working on all day. Or I think that was a little harsh or something like that. But. Don't do it in front of the child. Go to them later. And then as your kids get older, I'll have mine come to me and be like, gosh, I thought the dad kind of came down on me a little hard. I was little, I'm like, well, then you need to go to him in a respectful way and say, dad, I really felt like that was unfair or whatever. But instead of like them coming to you and then you go into him, you, they'll reach a point, like I'm thinking like 12-ish kind of that range, where you can equip them to go to their parent in a meaningful way and and discuss kind of what the consequences were. And you're training them for what they're going to do when they're in marriage and you, you know, if either your roles at the head of the household or to submit to be able to go to your spouse and say, can we talk about what happened? Or in the workplace, be able to go to a boss and say, can we talk about the consequences for whatever I did? Yeah, we, um, we deal with that. Um 
Frank will come home. He tends to try to miss the witching hour, but he still wants that playtime, and he is the son of a second-grade teacher, so when we get story time, I'm not kidding, there's a stack of books. Daddy, can we play names, which means, uh, Emma, find the seven ladybugs. And they, you know, so story time's a long time. So what I figured out back when Emma was old enough to sit and do story time and that whole, I get them bathed, I feed them and I get them bathed, and, and I know that I've lowered my expectations that Frank is going to rile them up. Well, then I figured out I had this epiphany. Mommy's signing off. And I go and I clean the kitchen, and they do their thing, and... We both have the goal of having them in bed by 8 o'clock. But um, one great advice that somebody gave to me is never treat your husband as if they're the babysitter because they will never let them bleed. They will never let them starve. They may put the diaper on backwards. That has happened. But it still works. And um, out of this, if I'm harping on Frank that we're on a time schedule, then then I get this characteristic or this hat that's on my head. And the kids obviously will want to be with Dad more because he's more fun. So I just, about two years ago, I just kind of recessed and let them have their time. And if they got to bed at 8.30, then that's what time they got to It's not my favorite thing, but Frank and I did offline talk. And I, you know, I said, this is our goal. If you want more time with me because I go to bed at 1030, then this has got to be his motivation to, you know, get the kids in bed. And so um, when we went through re-engaged, our facilitator looked at us and said, um, you should look at your kids and say, he wasn't using us, but a general, he was saying, do not talk to my wife that way. You know, this is your mother. This is my wife. And so you're teaching them to be flexible because they're not going to always have the same set of rules everywhere they go. And so, and then it lowers my stress level because I'm not trying to micromanage time that w- at least he's coming home to play with them. You know, he could be totally absent. So, And I think, too, I mean, when you're talking about my husband, when I had like a day, I mean, really every day, I tried to call or he would call me on his way home in the car or I would call him. And that was kind of a debrief time. I said, you know, here are the things that came up today. This is how I handled it discipline-wise. So he already knew kind of where the day was. And we just used that maybe five, ten minutes just to debrief him on what he was walking into if we had had a, you know, really bad day. And I would say, like, on the kicking the soccer ball or whatever in the house. And, I mean, if you notice your husband allowing that kind of thing, I mean, definitely pull him aside at the end of, you know, at that night after the kids are in bed and say, honey, you know, I work so hard to say that there's no balls in the house. And when you come in and say that, it kind of undermines. And so we either need to decide, okay, make a room in the house where they can go kick the ball. And that's the room, like the hallway or whatever, like um, we'd suggested. So I, I think that really if you, you know, just debrief your husband though let him know what he's coming into if you had to spank that day or that kind of thing at least he knows what kind of day you've had and that way when he walks in then he can kind of you know that just is back to being consistent and being on the same page 
But I, I like what Millie said is she didn't say when he the minute he walked in the door she didn't say you should have you know this is my day and this is what happened like she gave him like an opportunity to get that information processed in himself before he walked in the door and now that you you know can text your husband a message like you know we had a you know yeah the spoon was used a lot there whatever it is but you know give him that information ahead of time and then when they actually hit the door I mean make it be I'm big on this make it be a joyful time. I mean, you have a great opportunity. Your kids are really little. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. You know, make it be fun. If you're on the phone, get off the phone. Go greet your husband. And um, it is something that you you want them to want to come home. It's like what Gina just said. We, instead of focusing on they're getting them riled up, they're undermining my authority, they're not going to go to bed, blah, blah, blah. You're like, he's home. He loves us. He loves our kids. He's and they, they crave respect. And that's how they're getting it from the kids and getting off the phone like you said that shows him that he's a priority well and if you call at the end of the day helps if you can call and then you can kind of rally the troops the king is coming you know that kind of thing and um the other thing that helped us is kind of to underline that who's in charge kind of thing and when dad walks in then he is it and he gets some time to unwind or whatever but then if there was any discipline from that time on, if he was home, he did the discipline. And that helped everybody to know, you know, without talking about it, that he is, he's it. He's in charge. And that's the thing about the soccer ball and stuff like that. Don't let some little tiny thing like that get under your skin and be something that, you know, that undermines your whole marital, you know, because you can say, well, you know, I don't like somebody kicking the soccer ball. That's why you've got to pull back. And if he says, honey, here's the reasons why I want them to be able to kick the soccer ball in the house, then you, then as a team, if that's what y'all come up with, then you need to design your house so that it'll be, you know, soccer ball safe. I mean, you know, I mean, but working together as a team, those are the little bitty things I'm talking about, because if he comes in and lets them do that and you feel strongly this way, then it can be that little seed of resentment and bitterness that you that harbors and carries I know that sounds crazy but it really can be and so really discuss these things and say okay well I need you to give here and I need you to give here and like Holly said when my kids were even five and six if they came in crying dad spanked me you know I didn't get a you know dad spanked me and or dad won't let me go to the park and I'm like okay well let's go did you tell dad what how you felt about that let's walk in there and so as a team we, we would all go in there and say okay Blaine feels like he got a spanking that he didn't deserve. Well, he did this, and I'm like, Blaney. He's like, you know. So I mean, it's always if you get the, you know, first man in the Bible, it says first man's right till the second man comes to plead his case. So allow that second pleading to come through because it does shed a lot of light on it, and it helps you better understand. And that way, you say, Blaney, you know better than that. Daddy was absolutely right in in spanking you, and so you know, you need to whatever, you know, you make that right. But I'm just saying, just be sure that you get all the facts. In because you don't want um, your kids to ever feel because they will start they'll, they're very smart and they will start playing you and your husband against each other and so you've got to outwit outsmart and you've got to be a team. Well, and I think there too there are some things that in our household they know that those are decisions that dad makes. Like my my son is very he loves to hunt he loves to fish he loves to do all this things. Like can I you know go you know do 
you know, something that's boy outdoorsy or whatever. I'm like, that's a decision your father has to make. So he knows. I mean, it's just, so we're not, they're not going to, you know, kind of, you might even have areas where it's like mom makes those decisions, like clothing or whatever with your daughter or where you're going to shop or something like that might be. And people have different views on that. So there are some households where the dad picks out all the daughter's clothes and there's some where mom shops and the dad approves it or whatever. But then you might have territories, but don't, like Millie said, don't let them back and forth because yeah, they, they will. They'll real, try really hard to put that wedge, and Andrea knows this from a previous uh, Kids actually is an acronym that is keeping intimacy distance successfully. And that is truly, they get in there and all of a sudden you realize you're just totally exhausted by just all of this, you know, so it's, it's, it's everybody has a role in the family and they, they have to stick to it. Okay, next question. Over here, Rachel. And then we'll get How old is he? You want to encourage Brad? So how can we encourage our husbands? So how can we encourage them to connect with our kids and and keeping them encouraged as head of the household when they're not able to get all the resources that we are every day? And okay, pray pray for them. You can't be His Holy Spirit. Well, and to encouraging that time alone and part of that it, he has with the boys. Yeah, and part of it is just like if you read a great scripture, I mean, share it with them in a way that, oh my gosh, you know, I was using this scripture today and I really see a difference in Brody when I, you know, like I would, I'd always use Hebrews twelve eleven with my son Blaney or Philippians two fourteen. But when I, you know, have a scripture that was really like I would say, Blaine, no discipline seems close unto time or whatever when I would say that, I would always tell Blaine that. And just kind of involve him. And, you know, certainly carve out. I mean, if they like to do something, encourage them to just go on. If they like basketball or if they like, you know, encourage them to go on a little, you know, play date. And just go and have a picnic or something and go to the park. Just the two of them. And I think the more time you spend, you know, a lot of husbands, I don't think they, they want that transition stage where they're kind of out of diapers and out of, they don't really like that, you know. And they're just the baby stage and the little stage. You're like, oh, I'll step in when they're about five you know call me but I mean you know so, so you have to be respectful of that but you need to encourage it and just give them more time like maybe when he when he comes home one night you say oh well I've got something on Wednesday night I'm going up to the deal so you need to stay with him and I'm leaving at five can you be home then and so then he's got to do dinner by himself and just so create those times for because the more one-on-one time they spend with them Yes, practice makes permanent. And, and pray, confidence. Big. Yeah. pray for the strength of that relationship. I mean, from now till you know, mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, I'm, I don't know him. Maybe he doesn't have a confidence of child care. Maybe he doesn't know, he doesn't feel as though he's equipped to do your job. But I think that the basic thing is, is they won't let them bleed and they won't let them, you know, go starving. Um, is give him the opportunities, parts, donuts with daddies, you know, any kind of thing you can, um, you know, because we're getting in the age where daddy's starting to take our girls on a date, you know, Saturday morning they go to breakfast and starting to court her so that she can learn, you know, what she's supposed to know, uh, just, you know, the way she should be treated, but he could, you know, why don't you take, you know, maybe it's not donuts because that's not fun for you later, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe it's something that they do that they, it's like 
a 30-minute increment, then it increases to an hour, and then he builds his confidence. Because, you know, face it, you guys, we babysat when we were younger, and boys didn't. And if he didn't have sisters or whatever, we have to instill that confidence into them. I would say one thing in your, your point of, you know, you Watermark's a great place with lots of resources, and you could come up here and hear all sorts of speakers and listen to podcasts and read books and all that stuff. But what I would encourage you not to do is go home and go, I was at Watermark today, and we heard this speaker, and they told us we should do that and before you knew it you're like you need to have a quiet time in the morning we need to have a devotional at dinner we need to do high low we need to take our daughters on a date you need to court me you need to do it and I heard the speaker say this and this and before long they're like yeah. ah! and you and as a man what they hear is like I am doing it all wrong I, I am not doing this right and you got to be so careful with what you convey to them well in your words I think just encouraging him in what he is doing yeah oh yeah directly Wow, I love that. You know, I love that. Um, and I, Brad, that you're spending such good time with them. And I mean, you know, those things go pretty far. Those are those are builders. And I think the words of encouragement from you, you know, cinema text during the day, write, you know, write the things you love about your husband. And I have one that I've written all the things down. And I keep it. Um, I still have a day timer I use occasionally. My very old lady, I know. But anyway, to have it in there of all the qualities I really love about him, and then you write him a letter. You can do that. The thing is, encourage your kids to write. Like when our garage door, Emily's written, and we have we have I don't ever take them down. Those little notes and the little stick figures that she would draw to her dad and stuff like that. They love those notes. I mean, that is just when they're old enough to do it. Let's just draw a stick figure of you and daddy or something like that. And really, I mean, teach your children to build into your husband because, you know, that's, that's a great gift that you're going to teach them for, you know, marriage thing, and for your daughter what to yeah. expect. The too. other thing, too, is giving him opportunities. Instead of you tending to the baby as you're making dinner and if he's there, Give him the opportunity. Try not to take all of, you know, it's kind of like speaking for your husband. Instead of speaking for him, just say, can you go get the baby dressed today? You know, I'm, I'm going to take a quick shower. You know, you know that you could coordinate this so you could do it all, but allow him opportunities to step in because he might think that you've got it all covered and he doesn't want to step in. So how, the question is, how um, do you handle different an opinion or beliefs about discipline um, with in-laws or parents and still honor and respect them at the same time? Good question. Is it like one wants spanking, one agrees with spanking, one doesn't? Or, I mean, what are some of the dilemmas? Is it philosophy? I mean, kind of just a different philosophy? Is it your parents or his parents or both? We had some of that as well and still do. Um, our experience, it taught, those kinds of conflicts really helped us because, I mean, looking back, they helped us. They were really hard at the time. But um, especially when the grandparents were going to stay with the kids and have them for, you know, an extended period of time, we really kind of had to say, okay, this is the way that we um, do it, and we hope that you will as well. I think there's a balance, obviously. They do have prerogative if, if they're just being grandparents. I mean, they're not hopefully reteaching something that you're teaching, but we kind of had to, um, and we probably could have done a better job of this, we had to be a little bit more laid back than we would when we were alone, you know, just the four of us, just the four of our family. Um, so, 
I think the focus is how are you um, coming across to the other party? Um, because I think we did some damage in being very, very black and white at times, and then we kind of had to back off, and, and we did have to apologize for some of the way that we came across. And it wasn't as much in love as it was like, this is how we're doing it, and we hope that you agree because, you know, this is it. This is the truth. So we, we kind of had to be um, thinking from their perspective because that wasn't the way that they had parented at all. So just kind of compassion for them, and uh, it taught us a lot. So on the second child, we were a little more understanding, and it all turned out fine. I mean, but... You just don't want. We didn't want to create damage to the relationship that wouldn't ever heal. You're trying to rescue your child from a spanking. Yeah. yeah, that may be a conversation, kind of with like your husband. I mean, that you have later without the children there. Hey, you know what? This is really kind of hard for us because this is what we're doing, and we know how much you love the ch- our child, and you don't want to confuse them. That may be a sit down, and we had we had to have sit downs too that were kind of really hard, but did produce fruit in the end, in the later stage. Well, when they see your kids, you know, really being obedient and that kind of thing. And so just keep that. I mean, certainly if you go to them and say, you know what, we're really trying to be consistent. This has been a constant struggle. And so I've got, I've got a discipline, you know, and I've got to, this is, I'm just really, we're praying about this. This is, and you can back it up with scripture. I mean, it always, my parents were not believers really. And so they had no idea about, now my in-laws were always, I mean, they were very strong believers. And I think they always appreciated the fact that we did discipline we didn't say oh well we're at grandmother's house so you get away with everything I mean even in that time I mean we would take them away and discipline them and certainly if they were disrespectful to them we would handle it and so they kind of learned early on what our expectations were so I think just being very consistent and not you know even if you're like at the grocery store be willing to do whatever it is to not don't compromise consistency and if somebody doesn't feel you know don't get a heart of just say you know what your husband, whatever his name is, Blaine and I have really talked about this, and this is how we're disciplining, and we've had this struggle, and we're starting to see a little bit of fruit, and so it's really important that I'm consistent. And I just don't know how anybody, and then you just don't, you know, you've prayed about it, and you don't, you know, you just go with your course that you're, don't let them undermine what y'all, you and your husband as a team, because that is what's most important, is, yeah. is what y'all have decided. I've had, my mother is, um, you know, she raised four of us. My, you know, my dad was on an aircraft carrier during when we were toddlers and stuff. So she's, she's pretty a strong, a pretty strong woman. And um, so she comes in, and you know, grandmothers and grandfathers, they live to be those roles. And and you know, so they get the different kind of gum or the candy, and you can't stand it. But at one point, I did have to go to my mom, and I did have to say to her. You know, Mom, I think you did a great job of raising us, and there's a few areas where I want to build upon, but then there's a few areas I'd like to try it on my own. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, I'm 40 years old, and don't you think that I've learned from the best? You know, because she's my mom. I'm like, don't, don't you think I've learned from the best? So let me now be the parent, and you sit back because you're not. And it was a very tough trip that they came down to see us. The other thing that I will say in advice is if it's your parents you should talk to them. If it's your husband's parents, allow him to speak to them until your relationship is good enough that you guys can interject like that because my husband tried to go to my parents 
and um, it didn't go so well. And so now we're on the other side of that bridge, and if Frank went to my parents, it would be totally different. But when we were first married, um, it just was not a good time for him to step over me um, because then I was in the middle, and I don't like to be in the middle, and so I'm trying to please everybody. So um, I think it's respectfully letting him know that they did such a great job that you're building on some, but then there's new avenues that you'd like to try with your personality and and your husband's, um, you know, because my parents were born and raised devout Catholic. So this whole scripture thing to them is now, now that we've been married seven years, they love it. You know, and they they were here a couple weeks ago and mom picked up, Emma was at preschool and she had chapel that day. And um, the teacher was like, we asked the question today in chapel that who was Lazarus' sister? And Emma knew it was Mary. And my mom goes, I didn't even know Lazarus had a brother. And so then there's teaching opportunities where it's just unbelievable how that kind of weaves in. But just respecting them. And then then I have to look at my husband because his mother died the month before we got married. And I have to say to him, don't beat my parents up. They love me. They've been there for me. And you may not see it their way, but respect my parents that they did what they did with what they knew how. You know, you can't fault someone for that. So, um, but again, it's the, you talk to your parents and he talks to his until you get there. I don't know how old your kids are, but I would say as you start to see fruit in your kids and they start to see fruit in your kids, I think they will probably back off on thinking that you don't know what you're doing. Um, and don't second guess your confidence. Right. And I think it's We're a whole different thing anymore. of like just being, you know, and the thing I was going to say is just like you would tell your um give your husband the heads up kind of what's going on during the day. If you're going to be spending time with the grandparents, just I just want you to know we've been working on hitting or biting or sharing toys or this is something we're really...